When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for same race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Welcome to Inspiring Stories for Bowra and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Hello, my name is Tim McMillan. Welcome to another episode of Inspiring Stories brought to you by Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Uh, In this episode, you're going to hear a story of true entrepreneurial spirits. Uh, It's a classic migrant success story, uh, an adventure that started in northwestern India, then via Europe and all the way here to Perth. Uh, As a boy, by his own admissions, he was a failing student, uh, but he gained his education uh, in the schoolyard and on the streets rather than in the classroom. He closed his first business deal selling glow-in-the-dark stickers at the ripe old age of seven. These days, he runs a successful IT company that's been recognised globally by Microsoft, no less, uh, for its social impact, and that is a value that is at the very core uh, of his business. He's just released a book about his life. It's called Terminal 4, an entrepreneur's journey from bicycle to business class, uh, which is a great read. We're lucky to have the author uh, in the studio with us, Nilesh Makwana. Nice to see you and thanks for being part of the program. Hey, thanks for having me, Tim. Great to be here. It, it's a pleasure. Um, a great title for your book, uh, from, from the Bicycle to Business Class. Yeah, it wasn't it's, easy. It sums, up, <laughs> sums you up, doesn't it, in a, yeah. in a nutshell, but there's so much to unpack in that. Indeed, yeah. The most hardest thing in the book project was the finding the right title. Is that right? Oh my God. That was the hardest thing to do in the book. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. the, the bicycle is, is key to your childhood, isn't it? It's one of the um, yeah. the memories um, that, that stands out strongly from your, your early years Definitely. in India, doesn't it? Yeah. When I was in uh, school in, in India, in Gujarat, western part of India, uh, my favorite thing was riding the bicycle. And once I have the bicycle, I'm like a king, you know, going around everywhere yeah. I want and, and just making sure that uh, all the cows on the road are not interrupting me. I, I go around them. Uh, any Anybody comes my way, my cycle doesn't stop. You know, I find a way. I create a lane yeah. <laughs> and, and just fly off. And I used to have a little uh, radio in my hand, Philip, yeah. uh, which is battery operated. And I used to carry that around with me everywhere and then listen to the radio on the on the bicycle. Freedom. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was the best thing ever. And, and yeah. I still do that. And now I listen to Spotify right? in Perth in, in around the Swan River, you know. Yeah. <laughs> You've moved with the times a little bit. Yeah. Um, can you paint a picture, picture for us what, to, what what Gujarat is like? I mean, for people who haven't yeah. been to India, I mean, yeah. probably seen enough images of India to have some yeah. appreciation. But, you know, when you're there and... You soak up the sounds and the just the, yeah. the the mayhem in in some parts of India, especially you know the the busyness, the food, the heat, the smell. The yeah. I mean, it's electric, isn't it? Indeed. Well, Tim, you just already described the typical stereo Indian noise. You know, yeah. You see in the movie, and then you're like, "Poor, poor noise," and and yeah. then there is this uh, cows and animals and the kids and the family around on the road, the road and the shops and the house. They're all merge into each other. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And people are just out and about, doesn't matter what time of the day or night. And it's just the constant buzz, uh, high energy. Mm. And people just going out and about about their life. Uh, But at the same time, they're enjoying the little food on the street. Uh, uh, They're feeding the cows and the dogs and the birds are around. Uh, The noise doesn't stop. Uh, And Boy, young boy like me on his bicycle, he's just having fun on the road. You yeah, know? just finding yeah. your own little path through yeah, it all. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's a high energy. But compared to Perth, where I'm now, it's uh, really, really quiet. And uh, but I love it here. Do you miss the the noise and and everything else that all that sensory stimulation that you get? Yeah, in well, those, look, in I parts think- of India. You need that dose of that uh, Indian adventure uh, every year, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you go and see your family. You try your favorite food. You go to the streets which you love going about and and you visit every year 
but I think more than two weeks is like, uh, uh, let's go back to Perth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, you spent uh, a lot of your childhood living with your grandfather. Yeah. Um, how, did, how did that come to be? Well, uh, after my, you know, mother, mother passed away, uh, my father decided to, you know, leave a sort of life behind and, and he wanted to move to Mumbai, uh, Bombay. At that stage, it was called Bombay. Uh, he left and uh, my brother and sisters also joined him. But my grandfather didn't want to move. And I was his favorite, my grandfather's favorite kid, a grandson, you know. So I And I wanted to be where I am because I was just having fun with myself and this bicycle and, and enjoying the, the everything what was there in Rajkot in, in mm. Gujarat. So we both decided to stay together. And that was the best thing ever happened because my grandfather was like a chill out grandfather ever you know he just let you let me be whoever i want to be yeah doesn't care uh, what i'm up to uh, whether i'm studying not studying he would just uh, make sure that uh, there is enough vegetables and the food on the table uh, he looks after the house a little bit here and there and i cook and we both used to enjoy our life together mm. and and i go to school whenever i want to if not then i'm selling stuff on the bicycle and making making deals and doing business you know <laughs> uh, until my father found out after a few years that what i've been up to and why i've been uh, collecting money and uh, i have so much money in my cupboard uh, that all the money he used to send me is is uh, to pay the bills yeah. sitting around and not been spent uh, and he was because you were making your own yeah yeah so he was like really surprised that how come he's paying all the bills and all this money is sitting there and and once he found out that he's been doing work and business not actually studying uh, he just took me to mumbai and and after a few years my freedom ended there you know <laughs> And, and you, you didn't even take the bike with you, did you? Oh, I, I took the bike with me. <laughs> uh, I, I could not left it behind. But yeah. then uh, Mumbai is a different city compared to Gujarat, Rajkot. It's a very busy. Uh, bicycling is not safe there. The roads yeah. are not safe. Yeah. So my father was not happy for me to have the bicycle there. And he mm. put me into a hostel because I was a naughty kid. Is that right? And he wanted me to learn a bit of a discipline. So in that hostel, there is no need for cycle. And after I left hostel in nine months and ran away, I came back home to Mumbai. Um, bicycle was gone. It was given away. And, and my father always did one thing is to give away the stuff. Uh, he, he never kept anything. Uh, one of the things I learned from him is to not to get attached to any materialistic stuff, you know, position. Yeah. Uh, he just gave away all the stuff all the time. Mm. And, and it was hard for me uh, to let go my precious stuff, you know. But he, he just taught me a lot of lessons like that in earlyhood that it's, it's okay to uh, have the giving nature and, and just don't get attached to the materialistic stuff, you know. It, was that for sort of religious or spiritual reasons or he was just one of those people that didn't yeah, like he's to just one accumulate of stuff? Yeah, yeah. No, he, he, just, he just likes to collect people, not the stuff, you know. <laughs> and, I, and I became the same. Uh, I, my grandfather was the same that we we tend to be more attached towards family and friends and people rather than the stuff, you know? Mm. Uh, and, and well, there's something to be said for that, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And those are the stuff which helped me in the business and wherever I am in life today. That first, One of the first lessons I learned early on is to let go of the stuff. But it wasn't easy because when you are a child and you have a favorite toy and your father gives away to the neighbor's kid or the less fortunate people, uh, I get to play with it even a little while, but then he gives it away to... Uh, somebody else who might need it more than me. Uh, as a kid, I feel that I'm neglected or I haven't been given uh, that uh, care and love which I need. Mm. But later on in life, I realized that actually uh, it was a valuable lesson I, uh, I was learning that you you be ready to give away to the others who needs the most and, and be happy uh, in, in giving. Yeah. Uh, and more comes. Yeah. And my God, now I have so much more than I ever imagined. Yeah, uh, ten times more I got in my life than I I would have thought of having it. So that appreciation has has matured and grown. Yes, with definitely. you over the years. Um, I mentioned at the start your first business deal that you remember closing at the age of seven. Yeah, where did that entrepreneurial spirit come from? Is that uh, you yeah. sound like you're a little bit of a kindred spirit with your grandfather? Yeah, was that something that he perhaps instilled in you? No, no, I think uh, like. I come from Gujarat, which is a Gujarati community, yeah. and uh, Gujaratis are known for doing business, so it's right. in their blood. Yeah. So if you check the biggest name in the in India or in the world who are big leaders, business people are Gujaratis. So if you type Gujarati, why they do 
do business is yeah. because every Gujarati is doing always some sort of deals. You know, <laughs> it's in their blood. Uh, it's by it's nature. Destiny. Yeah, yeah, they are, they are always doing business. Uh, most Gujaratis are always up to something. On the side hustle is going on. You know, <laughs> uh, so I was no different to any other Gujarati than just doing a business. But uh, being in a school, not interested in studies, uh, I was more observer than how other people are interested in other stuff. You know, so kids were interested in uh, glowy sticky stickers, mm. uh, which glows in the dark, and they were interested in uh, nice stickers uh, which goes onto the book and the backpack, and and they want certain stuff which uh, makes their compass box looks cooler. So I thought, hmm, uh, I have all this stuff sitting because my father sent it for me. And my older sister and brother sent it from me from Mumbai, and and it's no interest to me. Uh, so I thought I could actually give this away or sell it, you know. Yeah. And I took the whole pack of a glowy sticker with me, and people said, "Oh, I like this star. Oh, I like this elephant. I like that one." I said, "Well, you can have this one for fifty cents, you know, or twenty cents." And and people were willing to pay for individual stickers. So from one pack, big pack, I started selling individually. And from that onwards, I realized that you just have to power of the deal. Power of the deal, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then I sold a toaster sandwich machine because toasty was my favorite. You know, <laughs> that's the easiest thing to make. You know, you just put everything between the two slices of bread, and you just make a beautiful toasty, and you eat it. Uh, and it's fast. It's tasty. So I, I I looked for the great machine, and I love the machine. I was like, wow, this is amazing. Uh, oh, you're machine, making me you know? hungry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I want toasty. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so then then this uh, this machine I found for three hundred and fifty rupees, uh, uh, which was uh, retail price. But then I spoke to the wholesaler, and they they were willing to give it away for one hundred and seventy five. So I can sell it for half, half price. Yeah, yeah. So I can make one hundred and seventy five on top of it and everything. So I actually st- start bought two of them, and I started selling those every week. To ladies on the street, who who can have a toasty machine and everything. Yeah, and then I and you're what at, about eleven? Yeah, by yeah. this point. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you just think about what most eleven-year-olds are up to these days. Well, I think I see it in you know, Australia stuck in also. A room playing computer games and whatnot. Yeah, no, some kids in Australia, I see they they do car wash and you know they they do True. Uh, sometimes go to the flea market and they mm-hmm. sell stuff with their parents and everything. So I do see. Some, some young, of it, yeah. Some young yeah. young entrepreneurs' kids are are doing things, are selling in here and there, and and when I see that, I'm like, wow, this is the best lesson they can learn outside of the school, yeah. you know. So, so the the lessons inside the classroom, yeah. you were bored by them, didn't just didn't yeah. have the aptitude for it. What what was it? Because clearly, you, yeah. you you were switched off when you were in the classroom, but yeah, very much so, switched on outside of it. So there were a few subjects which I wasn't really interested in. For example, history. You had to remember the dates. Yeah. And I, I cannot just remember the dates and the names, you know. Yeah, and, and yet that, you'd remember the numbers. You yeah, remember yeah. the price of a toasted sandwich. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's okay, but but mathematics wasn't my favorite either. Yeah, so you had to remember the formulas and everything, and you had to remember the tables and all. So mathematics, science wasn't my really uh, favorite subjects. But why it wasn't a favorite is because the exams they do a lot of exams in school, you know. Like every every few weeks there is an exam going on, and the way it works is that you have to remember all the stuff. To the dot, as per the book, and you had to vomit that in the exam, mm. exactly the same. And then next day you forget about it. So it's it's almost like they call it rote learning here in Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, you just, just memorize like everything. Test. Yeah, yeah. And and I just never never fell fell for that. I, I never had an interest in in just memorizing something, putting it out there for no reason because I need to uh, practical before theory for me. Mm. I'm 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 hands on. You know, I need yep. to understand it, grasp it, uh, apply it. So anything I learn, I apply it very quickly. Yeah. And if I can't apply it, then it's not a learning. Uh, a lot of people read a lot of books and uh, they gain knowledge and they say, oh, I, I read that self-development book. I read this book. I read that book. Then I'm like, okay, after you read it, what did you do? Did you apply immediately anything? No, no, no. I, I just, it was I just enjoyed reading it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and for me, anything I learn, I just have to try and use it or apply it. Yeah. Uh, so I think the system was against me that I... And I was failing in the exam, but because my father knew the school principal and the founders and the teachers, and my family was well known, uh, I was able to push through the next class. Next class, uh, they they kind of push you to the next class by just giving one or two mark extra to pass. You know, uh, so final exam I always passed, but then the mid mid year and the first semester I always failed. And 
father wasn't around to check that and grandfather didn't care, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect yeah. scenario. Mm. I'll get you to, uh, after we take a break, talk about how life was different when you were back under your dad's care because it sounds like a few things, yeah. a few things changed uh, in the way you got to live your life, perhaps a little less freedom. Yeah. Uh, when it came to your, your studies anyway. We need to take a break. Uh, yeah. Nilesh Makwana is our special guest. We'll be back with more of his story right after this. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Uh, in this episode, the inspiring story of Nilesh Makwana, who I mentioned uh, earlier, is uh, born and raised in India uh, and then travelled uh, through the world, ended up here in Perth uh, about 10 years ago or so, started uh, a business which has gone on to achieve great things. We'll hear more about that uh, in the coming half an hour or so. Uh, Nilesh, d- tell us about uh, moving um, from Gujarat to, uh, to Mumbai, um, to be with your father, um, yeah. it sounds like some of your freedoms were stripped away, but yeah. your entrepreneurial spirit obviously was still allowed to to flourish yeah. under yeah. your dad's well, watch. So father wanted me to <clears throat> study. Yes. Right? What, did just... he, what did he want you to, to be when you grew up? For oh, no, he, he, never, he never forced me to be like, oh, you have to be engineer or doctor or, you know, uh, yeah. a typical Indian father would uh, say you must you must be skilled into engineering or doctor or, or, or lawyer or something. No, no. He just says, now, look, you just have to study, you know, and and then you can decide what you want to be, but just at least pass the school. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so he didn't, he didn't say, oh, you have to graduate or go to this university. No, no, no. Just pass the school for now, you know, just little, little, little objective or task for now. Yeah. Uh, so he just wanted me to be studying and, and finishing my high school. Uh, so he put me into a great school. It was tough for him to get me the admission, but somehow through his connection, he found a way to get me into the school. Uh, and again, it was a different uh, curriculum from Gujarat to Maharashtra, which is Mumbai. And it was in Gujarati medium in Gujarat, and here it was in English medium. And that was a massive difference, you know. So you can see that I am i wasn't good at at all. I was a below average student in, in Gujarat. And, and then in Maharashtra, I've been given a different curriculum, and it's in English medium. Mm. It was even harder. Uh, but there I, I learned a few English uh, classes. I took a few English classes. And then uh, my auntie, Manik auntie, she started teaching me English as well. Uh, but then I found a way to offer a sweets, which is called peda from Gujarat. It's, it's made of milk, uh, uh, round sweet. Uh, I bring them from Gujarat and offer that to all my teachers as a bribe. And <laughs> and uh, hopefully they will give me good marks and, and offer it to all the staff and the principals and everything. And I, and, and I, I celebrate my birthday twice a year and sometimes I celebrate uh, different things and just I find a reason to just give them the sweet, you know. Yeah. So they, they What did you want in return? Just uh, just, just, just 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 ask me. Favorable treatment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Just just get me to the next uh, Some next people year. Might call that bribes. No? Bribe, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was always, uh, but I was selling that peda into school to the other kids and and uh, other staff. Uh, those were the delicacy sweets you bring in from Gujarat, you know. Yeah. So I was still selling stuff in school and trying to find a way to just just get get somewhere with these studies. And somehow I found this advertisement somewhere. It says, no pass, no fees. Uh, no pass, no fees. Uh, a classic, uh, uh, classes, tuitions, you know? Yeah. Where you, you get and get an extra help after school. So I thought, hmm, this sounds amazing because I know I'm not going to pass or if father's money won't be wasted and, and I can uh, join these classes to get extra help. No pass, no fees, you know? So I joined it. You mm-hmm. had to pay the fees in the beginning. And then um, after a couple of months, uh, final exam came and as usual, I failed. So I went back to this uh, tuition classes company and I said, look, uh, I failed. Uh, I need my money back. And he says, well, no pass, no fees means that now you can continue to study here until you pass. You don't have to pay the fees, but whatever fees you paid, you're not going to get that back. Right. So no pass, no fees applies now that you didn't pass. So now no more fees. And I'm like, whoa. So I was very angry and upset. But then I learned the most valuable marketing lesson, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and and read the fine prints. So I think uh, uh, being in the school, all the things which were happening to me was teaching me a lot of things, but not necessarily what I need to pass the exam. <laughs> mm. There you yeah. go. Um, you, after school, uh, found yourself living um, in the UK. Uh, yeah. W- when did your interest in 
you know, venturing beyond the, um, you know, the, 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 the town and the culture that you knew in India um, and going exploring the world? Where did that start to take So when I was you? young, uh, living in Mumbai, uh, my father used to receive a lot of guests uh, from UK, uh, friends and family. They come and visit you, right? Yeah. From London. And they bring all this bounty chocolates and they bring uh, uh, these biscuits in a, in a tin which is, looks like a, a tower of London and, and the double-decker bus. So they bring all this uh, souvenir stuff and biscuits and chocolate and all I knew was London. I mean, I, I didn't study geography or, you know, or uh, study as much about the world uh, in school. So London was sort of like a far destination away from India, which is... Amazing. People come from there and tell you all these amazing tales mm. and Queen and others. So as a child, I was like fascinated that I want to go there one day, you know. I, mm. I really want to go there. But when I was a child in Gujarat, one of the dream I used to have, which is the only dream I remember ever in my life, is using my hands as a wing to fly. <laughs> uh, so I'm just yeah using my wing hands like a wing yeah and just flying from one house to the others, to the other terrace, from one place to the other place. And I'm, and I'm just flying everywhere. Uh, and and I always hope that these wings will take me one day to London. So I saw this advertisement in Times of India newspaper in Mumbai, where it says RIMS International School, which is uh, Cambridge International Examination. So it's a uh, A level from Cambridge, uh, and the examination paper goes to Cambridge, uh, but they teach you in Mumbai. Uh, so I thought, like, wow, this advertisement has a Tower of London here. It's got a Britain flag there. And it's a Cambridge International exam. It's A-level and you can select your subject, which is uh, you don't have to have mathematics, science. You can do business studies, economics, accounting and computing. I said, this is perfect because I can select my subject. But it was very, very expensive to be inside the school. Right. And and somehow I managed to get in there. That's another beautiful story in my book that how I managed to get into that school <laughs> uh, with, with no, no fancy record being a brilliant student. And that school won't accept students like me. Yeah, uh, but you have to read the book to see how I managed to get in there. Yeah, uh, and then somehow there are I, little nuggets yeah. like that all throughout the book, aren't there? Yeah, so, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And and life lessons, you know, from your failings, from your successes. Yeah, yeah. It, it's all in there. But in, uh, you managed to to wing your way in there. Yeah, managed to get into the school, and then uh, I've passed somehow. And again, there's a story behind that how how I had to work hard to get there, and that's the first time and the only times in my life where I have studied that much. Right. Oh, yeah. One and a half year of, my God, grilling. It's like, uh, you know, Rambo preparing for a fight <laughs> or, or that, uh, you know, the boxers, uh, <laughs> Sylvester Stallone, you know. You're running yeah. up the steps. Running up the steps. All and, of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. With it the was, soundtrack uh, yeah. blaring in the background. Indeed, yeah. indeed. One and a half year of grueling studies and I managed to pass that exam, A-level. Yeah. And finally, I was like, I can say I did high school, you know. Yeah. And from there, I managed to get a, a degree uh, admission into University of West London, UK, and my family was surprised and shocked that this boy never we imagined that he would go to UK to study further. You know. Yes. Uh, but then family was happy and surprised, and and they were like, okay, now finally he has woken up to study. Let's give him this support, and let's send him off. You know. Yeah. So that's that. There it is. I I became an international student in London. And you had some very, I suppose, um, you know, token knowledge of life in London and and, and England. You know, yeah. the various uh, images you see on the, the, the tins of chocolate that yeah, were yeah, yeah. Um, around in, in India. When you got there, though, I mean, that's, you know, it's no education oh. about what life is like in London. How did you My find God. it when you got there? My God, that was uh, like a fish out of the water, you know? Yeah. Different, different life and different culture, different uh, weather, no family around, the food is not there. Oh, it was not easy. My God. I, I was what, high on what, energy. Why was, it, why was it hard? What was, What did you find most difficult? Well, I think, um, you see, you know English, right? But when you go to the another country, the accent is different. And the way they speak and the faster everything. So you are constantly, you thought you know English, but the moment you reach there in England and you hear all these people, but people from all walks of life around the world yeah. are there. There is a Nigerian accent, then there is an Irish accent, then there is a Welspool accent, then there is, a, you know, uh, people from uh, Europe or Dutch is there. And they're all speaking different kind of English and different accents and everything. And I was like, wow, this is just crazy. Uh, I thought I knew English. But then I had to really pay close attention to my lecturer, sit on the front row, and my auntie says, look at the lips, you know, and, and pay, pay close attention to how they're speaking. So just grasping yeah. the language communication wasn't that easy. 
Second was the food. My God, so expensive <laughs> there. And and being a vegetarian, everything was like really, really hard and expensive. And they just offer you fish and chips and boiled potatoes and carrots. And, and I'm like, this is the blandest food ever. And so it was well, hard. They, they are quite partial to a curry sauce on the chips, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do, they do offer uh, some sauce here and there. But again, it's, it's, not, it's not Indian. I mean, you're missing your home food all the time. Uh, and and you, you you don't have your uh, you calculating all the times so, you know first time when a migrant goes to any country uh, one pound versus eighty five rupees uh, I don't know how much it is right now it's like one dollar is fifty five rupees in India Australian dollar mm. so every time you want to buy something you are always thinking in Indian rupees and you are like no no this is too expensive you don't want to buy that so you go hungry you know although yep. you have the money but psychologically you are like oh I can't pay two pound for the Ketchup? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So you go hungry for, for a few months and then you realize that, hey, you, you, can't, you can't do this. You have to start spending money and start eating. Yeah. You know? so it wasn't were, and were you able to do your, your wheeling and dealing on the side? Uh, oh, yeah. As, as much when you were in, the, in, in London? Oh, I definitely, mean, you know, yeah. Different, different rules apply. Yeah, yeah. So I had, I had so learned what did, to, what did you do? I, I had learned to be a web designer before leaving Mumbai and I had launched my first business in 1999 as a web developer. So there was another story in between the school. Yes. So I, I had dropped the school for five years in Mumbai before I joined that uh, Rims International College to do mm. my A-level. Yep. So there is a gap in our chat here that I, for five years I wasn't studying. And at that stage I had become a web developer. So I started offering the website designing services in London and offshoring it to India. And... I was charging in pounds and paying it in rupees and offshoring and I was making money. Mm. Uh, but I had found a job with the airline as well, with the KLM Royal Dutch Airline at Heathrow Airport, which is another story that how I managed to get that job. I was the first international student who managed to get a job at the Heathrow Airport Terminal 4 and uh, that was a, a record-breaking yeah, because as an international student, you need a, to work at the Heathrow Airport, you need a pass, a security pass to go around the airside and the ramp and everything. And it's not easy to work there without the uh, on a student visa. Mm. Uh, the university lecturer just discouraged me. They said, that's not going to happen. But I made that happen. And there's another story how that happened in the book as yeah. well. Uh, yeah. So I broke the record. And, and uh, once I got the job, uh, I had money coming in through uh, jobs with Marks and Spencer, with the airlines. Uh, but I also had a business going on on the side, and and uh, yeah, there was there was work. Which is the, was the story of your life, isn't it? You know, fingers in many pies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's always something going on on the side. Yeah, yeah, always. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we need to take another break, but after that, um, tell us how Perth and Australia came to be on your radar. That took you from one side of the world uh, all the way over to our part of the world, uh, and what made you want to lay down your roots here in Perth in particular. So uh, we'll get you to explain that right after we take a break. Nilesh Makwana is our special guest in this episode of Inspiring Stories. Back with more after this. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. My guest has recently published a book. It's called uh, An Entrepreneur's Journey from Bicycle uh, to Business Class, and it specifically mentions Terminal 4, which you were just telling us about before the break, uh, Nihilesh. You were at Terminal 4 at Heathrow working for the Dutch airline KLM. Yeah, KLM. And there this idea came to leave the UK and move to another part of the world. How did it come to be Australia? Why Australia? Yeah, well, I I was... Having a staff travel as a perks working for an airline, I traveled to 54 countries around the world. And nice. more than 60% or 70% in business class being upgraded. Uh, so it was amazing to travel the world. And I was on a tour to Southeast Asia. I did uh, uh, Thailand, Malaysia, Singapore, and Australia. And I had a friend, childhood friend uh, in Melbourne. So I was visiting him. Him and I supposed to go to UK together to study uh, from India. Now, his visa got denied in UK, and mine also had denied in UK. Uh, so he decided to apply for Australia, and he came here. But I applied again to UK because as a child, I always wanted to go to London. So Mike got accepted second time. So we kind of crossed path after 10 years uh, while I was visiting uh, Australia on a holiday. And that's where he found out that I'm actually planning to move to Brazil. And I'm leaving London, and I'm starting the business in Brazil. And yeah. There is a, what were you going to do in Brazil? Oh, yeah. It was uh, called BrazilToIndia.com. 
Right. Uh, so sending the so Brazil when I went there on holiday, I met some amazing people and some great great people uh, in Rio, and Michael Jackson's uh, former uh, surgeon uh, as well, and some Michael Jackson's former surgeon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some amazing amazing people. I can't I can't uh, tell too much about it because <laughs> it was in a business class. It we were having a chat. Right. So you met uh, on the plane. Yeah, yeah. I, I used to carry this book with, which was a trick every time. This this book is called. Uh, the monk who sold his Ferrari. Right. Yeah. And the title is so amazing, isn't it? Yeah. The monk who sold his Ferrari. Brilliant. So, so I keep this book in the middle of the chair. And, and the business class people are sometimes snobby and they don't talk to each other and they just keep it to themselves. And I would love to chat, you know, I love yeah. to network and everything. So I keep this book on the, on the side and the person gets intrigued by the title and like, oh, can I have a look? And the moment he picks it up, that's it. Then you just start talking, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and the conversation goes on and on and on from there. So, so I, I had a, always that book broke the ice in business class many times for me and always carried with me all the time. So this book, uh, he, he liked it. We started talking and chatting and then he invited me to a, a yacht club, which he was a member of at Rio near the Sugilov. And we had Asai in there, had a great time uh, in, uh, in, in Rio. I met some amazing, amazing people. Now, all these Sorry, people... Sorry, this is all Michael Jackson's doctor. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. yeah. Yep. Uh, and then he, and he was Brazilian and families and other people and other network people there within, within Rio. So I, I made a good network through him. But what happened is I found out that Brazilian, they love to go to Paris and, and you, London, and then they go to New York, and they, they, those are the typical places they love to visit. But right. once they have done all that, and this is the wealthy upper class I'm talking about, they like to explore the other places. And India was supposed to be the exotic place, another one, adventurous place. And the people who have the money, they would love to go and see and try different world. Mm-hmm. And that's India for them. And there was a direct flight that had been arranged via Dubai for India, uh, and that was uh, Emirates was promoting India quite heavily in Brazil at that stage. So I just launched the BrazilToIndia.com and, and I thought I'll send tourists uh, uh, from Brazil to there. And the and entire business plus plan was set. Uh, website was set. Uh, I had tour operators in India and, and Brazil. Everything was set. And I, and I, I was in love with uh, Brazil. Uh, wanted to move there, have fun. Uh, but my father wasn't happy about that. And, right. and, and he was interested. And my friend in Melbourne, he says, mate, people like you, uh, with the IT skill you have, uh, the knowledge you got, the experience you have, you could do really well in Australia, you know. You should consider coming in here and becoming a citizen here in Australia is a great country. So I visited Gold Coast, Sydney, Melbourne, Ballarat, and I was like, wow, this is the similar to UK. Ballarat? You went yeah, to Ballarat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so there was so many places I visited and, and I was like, wow, same side of the road driving, uh, similar people and language and half the British are here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, half the Britain is here. So I'm like, wow, why, why, why should I, you know, not consider this? So I seriously considered it and father was not happy that I, I was moving to Brazil because he thought that it's not safe. So I thought, hmm, everything is pointing towards, mm. towards Australia. And then I settled on Perth. Yeah. Why Perth? Well, I think Perth, uh, for a couple of reasons, in 2012, the GDP highest contribution was from Perth. Uh, the most amount of jobs available was in Perth. It was boom time, right? 2012, the mining mm. booms and everything. And uh, the time difference is only two and a half hours with Mumbai compared to the rest of the Australia. Uh, the unemployment rate was 1.3% at that stage. Western Australia was a regional state uh, for migration visa purposes. Uh, and the universities here, such as Curtin, uh, Edith Cohen, UWA, some great universities here too. And so for many different reasons, I thought Perth could be a great place. And another reason was I have traveled the world. Now I'm ready to sort of focus on study, uh, be in a small city where you can just get your master's done and, and be a serious student, you know? Yeah. Uh, where you go to Melbourne or Sydney, it's it's a big city, partying, traffic. You have to use a public transport. Yeah. Uh, and here you can just drive like a king. There is no traffic. What's traffic? You're like the kid on the bike. Oh yeah. You know, in your your early years, you you got to be him again exactly, to some exactly. extent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought uh, Perth could be a great place to study, but I I I I wasn't sure that I'll be here for for forever. But once you know, people discover Perth and then they see the beauty and and heavenly destination. 
then they don't go back, right? Once they get to know real Perth, and I think we are fortunate what we have here. Yeah. Uh, very privileged life here. Yeah. Uh, so there was no reason to not to stay back and and continue building a life here. Yeah. Uh, in 2015, you started uh, your company, uh, Illuminance, yeah. uh, Illuminate Solutions. Tell us about that. What 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 prompted you to start it? What was your vision when you started well, it in 2015? In 2012, when I came uh, uh, as a student, I already had a business uh, which was called Tantra Technology, and we were doing website designing and uh, software development, app development. And at the same time, there was another gentleman, Vincent Lamb, who is uh, my business partner now. He's my second wife, uh, 50% owner in our business. Yep. And he had another business called CRM Perth, and he was doing Microsoft CRM. So both of us sort of decided to merge the, stop the two companies, uh, be a business partners and merge the separate businesses and, and launch a new brand and name and everything. And then we decided to do something more purposeful and meaningful, which is not just another business, but do something really uh, which makes you proud that you you are contributing back into the society in a meaningful way while you are doing business. So tech for social impact and, and using technology for social good became the center of our business model. Yeah. And that's where we launch uh, Microsoft partnerships uh, for social impact-driven uh, uh, projects and and. and yeah. Uh, products which we designed for disability sector, indigenous community. Okay, yes. Yeah. So I was going to say, can you give us an example? It's a, it's a great buzz phrase, isn't it? Um, yeah. You know, tech for social impact. But what, what does that actually mean? Well, when I came 2012 or 15, nobody was talking about tech for social impact here. Uh, it was, it was startup was there, uh, mm-hmm. but tech for good was not really a big, big thing because the most tech companies were focusing on minings and, you know, oil and gas or state government or local government projects. Uh, uh, not-for-profit sector wasn't the big focus. Uh, we we designed the system called Avant Care for disability sector, NDIS service provider. And NDIS was going through a massive reform. And they needed a CRM which could do a lot of uh, uh, manual tasks, uh, automation around it, right? And they needed a system which can help them with the compliance and rostering, scheduling and everything. So we designed this very comprehensive system which won a global award by Microsoft for social yeah. impact. Yeah. There were 3,300 nominations around the world and one winner globally and that was us. That was you. Yeah. And you got to meet the CEO of Microsoft. That's right. I went yeah. to Las Vegas in US and, and met Satya Nandela, the CEO of Microsoft. And yeah. there's a great story how I, uh, that, that, that wasn't the part of the deal to win an award. Right. Uh, but, but somehow I wasn't going to give up to meet the, and he's Indian, you know, so I, I just yeah. really wanted to meet him. What, what, what did you talk about? Well, I th- it was a very brief uh, brief catch-up twice. Uh, my wife, uh, who's an artist, a uh, Norwegian artist, Lenny Makwana, she had designed the portrait of him, so we wanted to give it to him. And so we met second time to give him that portrait, and, and he loved the artwork, and he says, you made me look a little bit younger here. <laughs> I don't have hair any longer, but we had used his photographs two years from yeah. from that date. So he had a bit of a hair on his head. It's a great icebreaker, yeah, though, yeah. isn't it? Handing yeah. over a portrait. Yeah, so he loved that. But before that, when I met first time, uh, I in, in India, you know, you when you meet your elders, you touch their feet and you take blessings. That's a sign of respect. So I did that. And he was like, hey, hi, means brother, what are you doing? You know, uh, he gave me a hug. And he says, uh, well done, you're doing great. Uh, I heard about the projects you've been working on and, and uh, what you have created. Uh, congratulations on winning the award. Uh, and, and he says, which part of India are you from? And then... Uh, how you enjoying the conference? And and uh, I said, uh, I told him about the portrait and the artwork. And I said, I want to give it to you. He says, oh, we, if we find a time later on, we'll do that. He was on a very short trip in the conference. Mm. Right? Just for a day, he came in. Uh, and then we took a photos together again. Uh, and then we met later on to give him the artwork and everything. So it was a few brief moments to catch up and meet, but not a, like a proper sit down, you know. Yeah. <laughs> He's the most busiest man out there. Yeah, I can imagine. CEO yeah. of Microsoft. Yeah, yeah quite busy indeed <laughs> very busy man yeah. but you've been busy as well since you've been here you know the company's now seven years old um, yeah. what, what do you do what's what's an average day like for you well uh, my day is uh, I mean I I get approach so many people who wants to come and uh, work with us yeah uh, so many people wants to work and uh, you sort of partner with us they, they some people wants to acquire or merge the company so you constantly you're getting this approach from a lot of different angles yeah. and different people. So somehow you have to try and catch up. But then also those people who are in need and they need guidance, they need support, some migrants interested. So I try and find a time to catch up with them. Then you have to catch up with your internal team members on uh, you know uh, project progress or sales report, finance, HR, 
Uh, but I focus on a futuristic stuff that where we are heading in two years, where we are heading in three years. So whatever I'm doing is usually not the operational, it's more... The vision. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, more, more the strategic stuff where uh, you're diversifying your business into private sector now. So we just onboarded uh, two big mining clients uh, and we uh, got four private clients onboarded the first half of this year already, which we are delivering the projects now. So we are no longer just the non-for-profit focused business, but also now private sector and mining yeah. and, and state government. Uh, so taking the business to the next level mm. uh, and diversifying is a big, big part of my work right now. Yeah. Uh, and at the same time, looking after the team, making sure that uh, they have everything they need to, to do well, uh, offer, offer all the support and guidance which uh, your team requires. We need to take another break, uh, Nilesh, but I, I hear that you are an absolute champion networker. Um, yeah. Your networking skills are next level um, and probably not a great surprise that you were invited to be part of that uh, recent uh, trade delegation that went from Western Australia over uh, to India to you know bridge some of the gaps there and look for opportunities that might uh, benefit both countries. Um, you were part of that mission. I'll get you to tell us uh, what you actually did uh, in your capacity there as part of that trade delegation. Right after we take a break, this is Inspiring Stories. Nilesh Makwana is our guest. Back with more of his story after this. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Uh, Nilesh Makwana is our special guest in this episode. I've mentioned a couple of times that uh, recently published a book. Um, and the book launch was a, a pretty special event. So it happened both here in Perth and in India as well, which must have been a great thrill for you. Yeah. Uh, but you had some pretty high caliber guests at your book launches, didn't you? Let's Indeed. talk about your, your, your launch here in Perth first. Well, the Perth, uh, we had two launch, yeah. which was unusual. Yeah. The first launch was a W Museum by Premier Honourable Mark McGowan, yeah. uh, the, our state daddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, he launched the book for us and, and uh, for me, and my father was from India, was here as well. So he came very, over for it? Yeah, no, he, he was visiting Perth anyway, and it just happened to be uh, aligned the timing. Yeah. Uh, but was he a proud dad? Yeah, day? yeah. He cried, I cried on the stage because it was a very emotional moment that never have ever thought that this sort of things would happen where the premier and the father both are on the stage and launching my book just 10 years after arriving to Perth and everything. Yeah. Uh, and there was a friends and family and all those people who helped me along the way, I had invited them. How did you get the premier to launch your book? Oh, I just asked him, you know. Really? <laughs> no, no. Look, I, I, we have done a lot of things together and uh, when, when I was new to Perth, uh, he was in opposition and... Uh, uh, I met him a couple of times here and there. Uh, I did a Borderless Gandhi exhibition inside the parliament. He 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 helped at that stage. Then I launched the Westec Assemblage event uh, when he was in opposition, and I had invited him as a speaker there. So I I've been uh, keeping in touch with him for uh, nine years or so. Yeah. And uh, again, your networking skills. Yeah, yeah. Coming I mean, to look, the fore. I think I think it's connecting, right? It's connecting with the people, and and you connect with the person and people, and not titles. So one of the thing I I talk about in the book is that how you can uh, connect with humans first, not the title, because people want to network because you are a CEO or you are wealthy or you are a powerful or or title person, but uh, you're just connecting with the person, you know. And and I said on my speech. Uh, uh, at the launch that the premier may not be the premier forever mm. uh, he might be prime minister or he may be just the you know back to back to the private world uh, but if you connect with the person then you are staying connected with that person forever mm. and that person might go up and down so when i'm meeting people i'm not seeing that he how rich he is or what title he's got or whether he's political or he's opposition i'm just connecting with the person right and 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 that's how my connection is with the premier. I I think I have connected with the Mark McGowan first, and then the Honourable, and then the premier, then the state deity, <laughs> and then maybe the PM. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think the idea of uh, connecting is is more important than the networking. It's a personal connection, yeah, not a position. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 Um, prior to to launching it here, you went over to your homeland um, yeah. as part of a big trade delegation. How did yeah. it come to be that you were part of? Uh, this team that that went over to India to try to, you know, foster a, a, a better relationship between the countries. Yeah, so I think a few, few years ago I was uh, uh, vice president for Australia India Business Council uh, uh, in Western Australia, and China was sort of like, you know, 
in a in a different state in terms of relationships in india was sort of like a emerging next best friend and state government had a asia engagement strategy so i was sort of helping the state governments and and few businesses here to connect there so i i had always had some sort of connections with the india and and australia western australia help uh, at that stage minister papalia was the tourism minister and and he was trying really hard to get the direct flight happening so i assisted with those uh, initiatives uh, got involved with uh, quite a few touristic act, uh, tourism activities uh, soft diplomacy activities culture and the arts between the both the countries people to people linkages uh, but then when deputy premier he was uh, leading the trade delegation to india largest ever delegation ever left mm. western australia to india uh, with 120 plus le- business leaders from wa and this was just after the australia and india signed the free trade agreement deal uh, in april and in july this delegation was going so deputy premier roger cook came to my office to visit uh, we sat down and i mentioned to him about my book and he says well that's beautiful let's launch it uh, as a part of the delegation in india on the first day mm. so the state government launched the book in taj palace hotel in new mumbai sorry in in new delhi uh, in front of uh, entire delegation plus the local guest we had a former indian high commissioner there uh, we had a minister templeman there uh, culture and the arts we got four member of parliament from western australia was there then we had uh, uh, dr batra he is a uh, uh, quite a well known name in in india he's a padma shri award winner uh, the highest civilian award winner so some pretty high guest in mm. india in front of that we launched the book and that was pretty special that the state government is is launching the book uh, as a part of the delegation on the first day and, and yep. it couldn't have been better launch yeah and it already became the best seller in mumbai airports and other right? stores and everything it was quite unreal you know yeah and then we came back to perth and we launched the book with the premier here and then the west australian parliament uh the speaker of the parliament is uh, honorable michel roberts she she uh, hosted the reception inside the parliament and this is the first time that non political person member of the committee has been given opportunity to launch the book inside the parliament so that was again uh, uh, unreal you know yeah. yeah so a lot of great things been happening and and people are asking now you need to write a book about how to launch the book you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. pretty hard to top though isn't it yeah yeah um, how's the response been from um you know people that you grew up with in india to the book seeing the success that you've had and the story yeah. that you've now got to tell what what's that reaction been like for you yeah no they they're quite happy actually i mean i mean they've been seeing me progressing and doing well and everything but now with the book once they're ready they're like wow now we know all the stuff behind the scene you know and they're pretty pretty amazed that what what a life adventure you have lived and and ups and downs and resilience and the uh, failure and being in homeless in perth uh, almost lost the business uh, didn't have money to pay the rent so all the things and then how i met my life partner how i met my business partner a lot of stuff behind the scene and all the life lessons i've learned so people in india who know me from my early days are really really proud and and they they love the book and they love the book they're like wow we we enjoyed so much reading about it right mm. So I think the book is getting a great reception from all walks of life of people. When I launched the book, I thought I'm launching it for helping the migrant students and the young entrepreneurs, but then people from all walks of life at different level are enjoying the book. Yeah. The audience has gone really wide and I'm getting some good good messages, uh, good reviews uh, and I'm sleeping now. When when you launch a book, it's very very daunting experience, you know. Quite stressful. Stressful experience, yeah. uh and i wasn't sure how it's going to be and and putting your life out there with uh, lessons learned and everything but now i'm sleeping beautifully because it's just really making a difference out there and yeah, i'm getting see, a really yeah. good response from people and they're saying that oh, we loved the book we mm. enjoyed it yeah uh, and premier actually read the book and he was reading a few lessons learned on the launch himself you know there you go um your ambassador roles are continuing aren't they because you've just be- recently been uh, invited to be part of a um a T20 World Cup cricket champion. ambassador sorry champion. it's got a whole yeah. T20 champion champion yeah T20 what World does Cup that champion. mean well uh, so i'm i'm an ambassador for australia day council uh, yeah. which is the australian of the year and and they they run the australia day council awards uh, so they appointed me as an ambassador there but T20 world cup champion is is champions are the those who are quite active on diversity and inclusion okay and they're connecting different communities through sports Uh, so from western australia the international cricket council selected me as a t20 world cup champion uh, for my 
active participation yeah. in roles into the committee to uh, bring diverse committee together and and promoting inclusion through sports yeah uh, so shen what uh, watson was the ambassador he's the ambassador for t20 world cup and he came on a trophy tour last saturday uh, with uh, jason another cricketer from australian cricket team and we led the march uh, in perth uh, at the opta stadium and and 50 days to go before the world cup so i was promoting that and my role is to bring uh, diversity and inclusion into cricket you know yeah uh, and i have to ask and, and and forgive me for sort of playing into a stereotype here yeah. knowledge but are you cricket mad oh uh, well i not not as uh, as the other fans i have to admit <laughs> that uh, uh, i know some other indians who are real true cricket lovers and fan oh, i mean yeah. you haven't met a real cricket fan until you go to india right yeah yeah i yeah. mean it is it is a religious experience isn't it yeah well i think there are a couple of things which uh, you have to be uh, if you're from india for example you you should be nodding your head and <laughs> <laughs> uh, you should be you know a uh, uh, spicy curry lover yeah uh, you should be drinking chai tea uh, you should be cricket uh, lover and fan these are all uh, good things yeah all, all the good <laughs> things and and i'm i'm not uh, all of them you know <laughs> so i'm not a stereotypical uh, yeah. uh, indian out there uh, but i'm definitely have all those things in there bit bit rubbed off on me yeah mm. how could yeah. they not mm. what would you like to achieve in the years ahead you've done so much and you've you've got this um, beautiful um documentation of it now in your book yeah. um what are the next 10 20 years going to be like do you do you think that far ahead uh no no i think i think uh, i don't think far ahead but i know what's going to happen in 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 next couple of years to come and 10 years to come is that uh if i look back uh, you have to look back to look forward right and and i have always uh, had a great life and uh, childhood and and i have enjoyed my ups and down and continue to move forward in life so no doubt that i'll be i'll be doing bigger and better stuff uh, and making a positive difference but w- what i'm looking forward more is that uh, uh, other migrants like me who come to this state or this country this city other international students who come here Uh, I want to see more of those success case studies. And, yeah. And Perth being that inclusive destination which offers the fair go to all the migrants. And and uh, when they come to this country or this state, uh, they create more jobs. And I, I want to create more jobs and, and I want to help other people who are starting their entrepreneurial journey to help them succeed so they can create more jobs. And I think having a job, well-paid job, helps you mentally uh you can look after your family with that money and and you have a sense of pride so having a stable and good jobs and job creation is is sort of really the biggest contribution you can make in people's life yeah uh, and and giving a young entrepreneur a support who wants to start the business and i want to be that person who can help them yeah inspirational yeah thank you, thank mm. you Tim. <laughs> um well congratulations on everything you've achieved so yeah. far you are that classic migrant yeah. success story and a a triumph of that um, that entrepreneurial endeavor so i hope we get to uh, you know keep you here in perth for many years to come and see everything that you do achieve thank you um, while you're here so thank you so much for coming in and sharing your story with us we appreciate it no thanks for having me team and i hope uh, the listeners can go to google and type nilesh makwana's book or uh, terminal 4 go on give it one more plug yeah an entrepreneur's journey from bicycle to business class right so, <laughs> so make sure you get the book Now you yeah. know what the title means. There you yeah. go, from bicycle yeah. to business class. Yeah. Thanks again, Nilesh. I really appreciate your time. Thanks Thank for you. having me, Tim. You've been listening to Inspiring Stories here on 882 6PR. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. We look forward to you joining us next time as we unearth another inspiring story. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto, don't work on your deck, play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck, low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.